Cleveland Browns, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, guys. How's everybody doing? Your host here, Jeff Lloyd. Uh, you know, the Lockdown uh, Browns pregame edition uh, brought to you tonight by Blue Chew. Guys, as you know, it had been a tough week for me. We were going to re- originally record this episode Thursday night with John Ledyard. Uh, obviously, with all that was going on this week, we had an influx of family and friends in town. Uh, so, ended up, you know, Thursday night, everybody getting together. So, it was real hard to get the episode. Um, I want to thank everybody who reached out. It, it means a lot in between social media and phone calls and texts. And I mean, I for the first time in my life, I was actually carrying around a portable charger with my cell phone. But guys, it meant a lot because it, it, it kind of helped me to get through it. Uh, yesterday's ceremonies, it was tough. It was difficult. Um, but but it started to bring some closure. And, you know, the tears have subsided. And, you know, now it's time to start just healing and when I go back and I can think of my brother, I can think of 44 years of being his little brother and have a ton of memories, and that's what I'm going to walk away with. That being said, we still got work to do, and doing this show has been huge for me this week. It's been able to keep some balance here where I can escape a little bit and just kind of clear my head and talk about what I truly love and not have to you know, kind of escape from what was going on. But we have Pete Smith here. We're going to get Pete Smith for a pregame. We're going to get Pete Smith for a postgame. So, you know, it'll be fun as we go into this. Um, yeah, everybody knows, guys. Uh, you know, Pete writes over at NFL Spin Zone. Any Browns fan who don't know him, obviously, you know, you're under a rock at this point. Uh, Pete, first thing we're going to get into here is it's a tremendous difference. And now this, you know, week one with the Steelers in the 2020 tie. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is no longer the quarterback. Baker Mayfield is. Carlos Hyde will not be getting 20 unscintillating carries this week. It'll be Nick Chubb. And hopefully some more Duke Johnson. Because after all, Hugh Jackson told us we're going to find a way to get him more involved. And when Hugh says that, you know it carries some weight. Wide receiver position. We are not going to see Josh Gordon. We're going to see Antonio Callaway more. We're going to see Damian Ratley more. I do believe we are going to see, you know, a little bit more of Perriman this week. Um, you know, just maybe because I think they, you know, with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the rivalry there, I think Perriman's going to get some run here just a little experience against the team, but maybe a little bit more veteran. And you look, this is kind of a guy where you bring in here, and look, he could be here for the rest of the season. He could not play well Sunday and not be here Monday. But I think this is kind of a guy, a former first-round pick, you take a gamble on, see if there's anything there, and see if he's not, you know, maybe a little bit better than the guy he used to be. But Pete, uh, obviously big changes as we go into this game here. Uh, Schematically, they're going to have to do things differently, but a lot going on here so far. Right. Uh, like, there's, it's almost unrecognizable. First and foremost, Tyrod who? Like, mm-hmm. it feels like forever ago that this guy was even on the team. Uh, like, he... he September, you know, guy, September 20th was the last time he took a snap. It just, you know, that just feels like a, a, two years ago or something. But, yeah, I mean, you got a new quarterback, obviously. You got your, your dude. Uh, hopefully they're a little bit smarter with offensively uh, in terms of getting guys the ball i mean that's like a pre-recorded message at this point not even duke johnson it's everybody seth evolve anyone asked about we got to get him more touches we got to get him more touches uh so we'll see how that evolves Uh, you know no matter what happens it seems like we're going to come back and say the same things but maybe this is the week that that changes i do think this should be a big week for for jarvis landry only because the steelers have a terrible secondary and they're a zone secondary which sort of favors what he does well uh but you know the steelers are not a great defensive back team they they are t- so far away from being a team like the chargers yeah, now we're going to get to some things here. Uh, we do have some listener questions as far as trade deadlines, some other things. And actually, I got a fun one here uh, for, for Pete from uh, uh, one of the listeners. And I'm assuming he probably knows Pete, so it's going to be fun. We'll get to that stuff. But now, Pete, here the game itself. Um, 
Offensively, look, uh, week one, they gave up a ton of sacks. Look, Baker is a little bit, you know, and it's funny because, you know, Tyrod Taylor, you think about him as this mobile quarterback, but Baker is better at avoiding the sacks. But uh, look here, with Pittsburgh, with the strong pass rush, they've got to be more diligent with the play calling. They've got to work these guys on shorter routes. And if there's one thing we saw from Tampa, they're asking too much from Baker as a rookie with an offensive line that can kind of pass block, but they're not just destroying guys. Baker's getting enough time, but he's not getting extra time, like not getting elite time. So here he is, a rookie, questioning the offensive line a little bit as he's going through his progressions, which in a lot of these routes are longer. They need to find a way to work this out a little bit better. And, you know, obviously with a guy like Duke Johnson, that can help. Obviously with a second receiving tight end option like Seth DeValve, that can help. But Haley, and look, and, and I have no problem with the 15-play play script. I actually like it because it helps you, you know, it helps you practice. It helps everybody know, be on the same page as far as when you get to game day. But I just really hope that he's done some work here this week on what those first 15 plays are going to be. Because here's a team, when they take the field for that first offensive series, needs to start better. I would love to see a drive where they're able to culminate with some points right away. Yeah, the Browns have been uh, nothing short of a disaster in the first quarter, and the scripts have been underwhelming. I did like the approach last week, get the ball out of his hands quickly. Uh, you know, they got, a, they got a quick first down, just getting the ball out, uh, get, getting guys like Landry and, and Duke Johnson the ball. I hope we see more of that. If for no other reason, again, the Steelers secondary is terrible. All their, all their guys are up front, pass rushing, and the Browns obviously struggled dealing with that pass rush. Uh, the first time around, and you know, Bud Dupree was a freaking star, uh, a guy who's never really shown much of anything uh, up to this point. Suddenly, you know, is a monster out there, and, and T.J. Watt has four sacks and all this. And, and the, part of the problem is is because the tackle play is so poor um, that, it, that that when they get pushed down like that, Baker Mayfield likes to work laterally particularly to his right but he'll go either way uh so when he tries to go out there's no room and he sort of gets grabbed by somebody and gets sacked and that's part of the problem now the other part is he's a rookie that's that's what rookies kind of do um that hopefully that that part of it improves uh but yeah just get the ball out get him comfortable get him sort of in a quick rhythm let him make some plays, get hopefully the Steelers' DBs a little uncomfortable, and then hopefully you take some some shots. You don't sit there and put him in seven-step drops and just let him sit there while guys don't get open, and hopefully those things will, will improve. And here's the thing. Um, a lot of you guys clamoring about Desmond Harrison and these types. Well, look, you know Chris Hubbard should know the Pittsburgh Steelers. Desmond Harrison, now this is the first time he's going to play an opponent for the second time. If we don't see some improvement, and look, he's kind of, look, he was trending up, but now he's trending right back down because I think other teams are realizing that there's certain things you can do with him because he's only a 290-pound left tackle, and it's causing some issues. So, and look, you know, we're going to get to this, you know, you're not going to be able to pick up a left tackle at the trade deadline, but, you know, there's going to be a tackle needed, but let's see Desmond Harrison. I mean, because this is a guy, you know, he's fighting for, look, there's having a starting job in the NFL. Or there's going to be a guy who goes on to a seven-year career of six teams. Which guy do you want to be, Desmond Harrison? It's We're getting to that point now. Which guy do you want to be? Guys, uh, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Now, you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. This is how you can do it. BlueChew.com. 
That's blue, like the color. Chew like you chew your food. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know, know what, you, so you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since it's a chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever you want and opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight from straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, uh, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, code, all caps, C-O-D-E, just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code, code, to try it free, obviously the $5 for the shipping. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for their sponsorship of Locked On Browns. Now, Pete, moving on defensively, the last couple weeks, you know, there's been some highs and lows. Uh, you know, when you've got Baker Mayfield, I mean, when, I'm sorry, when you got Jameis Winston running around, uh, you know, he's not fast, he's not athletic, he's none of those things. But you had it that last week, so you know, it showed that we're getting some coverage now because you're getting, you know, you're getting a guy who doesn't really want to run in Jameis Winston. But there's holes, the pass rush, and you know, this is where I, I want a nice first drive. And this team needs to set the tone one week here, and they need to start to do it. They, you know, look, there is the problem that guys are being played too much on defense, but part of it could also be done if the offense was able to do some sustained drives. But defensively now, and these guys, a second look, Denzel Ward going to be a little bit more comfortable after a monster game already against Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, the linebacking core is going to be same as last week, and those guys played pretty well. Um, some thoughts here on seeing Pittsburgh in a second time, and it's crazy that we are in week eight. And Le'Veon Bell is still nowhere to be found. But, guys, nobody forget, James Conner is doing a fantastic job. So there's a couple things that I see with this. And the biggest one is this misnomer that, well, the Browns played him close last time, so they're automatically going to be you know, in a, in a better position to win this time. And, and, if, and if the first game happened on the road, I'd be right there with you. But the Browns have played awful on the road. They they lost ultimately by a team in the Raiders. They should have beat by about three touchdowns. They lost to Tampa Bay. Uh, this you know they've they've just not played well on the road. All of their success, all of their like scratch and claw victories, even ties were at home. They, this is sort of a big hump they've got to get over with this team to play well on the road. So I think it's fool's goal to assume that that things are automatically going to go well because they played them the first time um the other part of that is <clears throat> i think ben roethlisberger is healthier uh and and i think as much as i think denzel ward will be uh, confident i think antonio brown will also have a little bit of more of a measure of ward and to see how that works out now that i do think the browns are playing you know well on defense uh, they they're getting Big, big contributions from guys like Jabril Peppers uh, and, and Derek Kindred and some of these other players that are stepping up and making plays. But it, it, we went through another week where they're, you know, they played 95 plays or whatever it was, and you just, you're just worried that it's another road trip that we're going to see the, you know, the, 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 the repercussions of that. And I hope that's not the case, but that's 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 a worry where you. 
at go, another road trip and you're trying to, to get through it and, and fight those things that you, you have that potential for a letdown. And well, here's another thing though. But um, you know, look for Pittsburgh to be caught off guard week one by a very improved Cleveland Browns team. It's understandable. I mean, forever Pittsburgh has been the big brother. So it was like, well, yeah, I don't care what you guys did in the preseason. And you know, maybe and look, maybe they weren't completely ready for it. But I guarantee you, they now went into this week of practice saying we tied the Cleveland Browns, and that may not sit well in the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room. And now with this game, it, you know, with it, it you know, with it at Pittsburgh, and it isn't for me. It's not so much about winning or losing this game, but it's about the fact that you're going there in with you know this young core that is going to be really good. I want to see how they go in there and they perform against this group. I mean, I'm okay, you know, I'm okay if they don't come out on the right side of this because, you know, I do see the greater goal here and where this is headed. But we go in there and it's a 35-7 like it was with the Chargers. That It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave a lot of these younger guys with a sour taste in their mouth and we kind of know why that sour taste exists. Yeah, and I'm hoping, I'm hope, you know, we saw it last week. I'm hoping it carries over this week. The hint that maybe Emmanuel Ogba's healthy, if he plays, you know, if he can carry over and that's, you know, he's back, that's a huge advantage. You know, you just cannot emphasize just how well he played last week and how much of a difference that made that you had basically three defensive linemen playing at a high level and the possibility of being able to then put uh, either, you know, Ogunjobi and Ogba in the middle and putting Jannard Avery on the outside and having that much of a pass rush that they can come from basically all angles and get after the quarterback. And I'm hoping that's, you know, that's sort of what we're going to start seeing uh, here now. But this would be a great game for Ogba to have, you know, step back up. And Pittsburgh, certainly James Conner has been a factor, but they are way more pass than they are run that hopefully they can get, you know, a consistent pass rush and, and Miles Garrett, absolutely killed Alejandro Villanueva the first time around. Hopefully that continues. And Ogunjobi has a big game, and you can get more and more out of that group that, that is getting familiar with this. And I don't, you know, Alejandro Villanueva can have, you know, six months to prepare for, for Miles Garrett, and I don't think it's going to help that you do have guys who are just simply better, and now it's about making it happen. Absolutely, 110% here. Uh, guys, uh, you know, we're doing the Lockdown Browns, uh, you know, uh, pregame tailgate here. Pete Smith has joined. Uh, we've gone over the offense and the defense and the fact that, you know, it's only been, you know, it's been week one. Now it's week eight. We're playing Pittsburgh again and drastic changes. Uh, not so much on the defensive side of the ball, you know, some tinkering here and there. Uh, obviously, I, Randall, I'm assuming he was going to play cornerback again. We'll keep, uh, you know, Booty Calhoun, who did a fantastic job last week at free safety. I think that's the way we're going to see it trend again this week. But, you know, offensively, it is now Baker's time. It is now Nick Chubb's time. It is now Callaway. It is now Ratley's time. So, it, you know, a tremendous, you know, as far as the skill set, there's a lot of change and it's going to be interesting how these young kids, you know, in a place they're going to have to go to once a year and a place that they're going to be expected to win. So we're going to see how that all plays out. Guys, Chris Manning over at Locked On Cavaliers does it. Locked On Cavs does a fantastic job. Uh, look, guys, obviously, you know, if, you fo- if you're a Cleveland fan, you follow the Browns, you follow the Cavaliers, you kind of understand, you see the similarities here. You know, it's going to be a step back year for the Cavs to improve themselves. And Chris Manning is going to guide you through that and does a fantastic job to- along the way. We do have a some listener questions here, Pete, and I love when we can open these up because uh, we got some fun stuff here. Uh, first one is uh, Dale Harris at Dale six two one. 
Um, short of a replacement, and guys, look, you're not really, you're not going to find a way to replace your tackles this time of season. Who you have is who you have. How can the Browns, Pete, find a way to help their off t- offensive tackles not destroy the rhythm of the offense or the rhythm of the passing game? Uh, first and foremost, get the ball out. Uh, you know, as much as we can kill Chris Hubbard and Desmond Harrison, they get on guys, they just get driven back. So inherently, you're going to have some time. They're not like swing and miss blocks where you're, you know, you're getting just the quarterback's just getting like laid out. He, they're at least slowing them down. Uh, getting, they're not getting, yelling duck. They're not yeah, yelling yeah, duck. Yeah. <laughs> so quick passing game, if they can run screens effectively, that always helps. But, the, you know, you basically – can run situations where you basically run clear outs for Duke Johnson, where you have, you know, him take out the zone defender. You have a receiver take out the zone defender in a particular area, and then Duke Johnson fills it and get him the ball and let him sort of do it and put them on edge that maybe they need to have a guy like TJ Watt drop into coverage a little more, or at least maybe they may need to be a little aware of it. The other part is run the football. If you can run the football, you've at least got to make those guys at least think for a second. We've got to play run first and maybe take a step out where they're not immediately going to pass rush. So the best thing that's going to help with is just staying out of third and and eight plus. If you can stay on schedule and keep your playbook flexible, that does a lot to help those guys out. Play calling can do so much to improve your offensive line play. And especially these two these two tackles, but you know the cake is baked, and I think Desmond Harrison has largely played as well as his competition uh, has been inverse relationship to the the talent. When he plays really pretty poor players, he does pretty well, and everybody talks about how great he is. Like when he did a great job against the Jets <laughs> or the Raiders. But when he plays guys that you have to be able to block, and, and the thing I would emphasize for anyone who's holding on to this dream that Desmond Harrison's your starter, you play your division, and your division is kicking his ass. So that's the thing you've got to, sort of got to watch for here is if it's – whether it's Tuit or Hayward or, or Dupree or Watt. Whoever's block, he's blocking, he's got to be able to block because you see these guys twice a year, every year, and there's no getting away from it. And they haven't played the Bengals yet. Yep. They've already played Suggs once, and Suggs killed them. This is who he's got to deal with. Those are the guys you have to play. You can't just go, well, he's going to be okay against bad players, and then you know nobody can block Terrell Suggs. That's, you, you can't live like that. That's This is your franchise quarterback. You're saying, this is the dude. Take care of him. Don't try to piecemeal your way out of the offensive tackle situation. And that's the thing. And look, and Houston is still coming, and so many other teams. And look, and just the six games alone within the AFC North, they all bring solid defensive line and they bring some solid rushers. Um, the other thing, and, and what you said, and now, and this goes along with John Costco and what we get from the PFF. And I had John on this week, and the first thing that stood out to me, I was like, well, John, and I said, the pass blocking grades for the offensive line look pretty good. He's like, well, you know, if you can get your quarterback three seconds, and this is where the NFL is not now, and, and most of it, at least it should be, more college-based. Get the quarterback in, get the quarterback the ball, and within one, two, two and a half, get the ball gone. And they're doing this point, but the problem is the play calling is not to what the offensive line is doing. 
and this is what we're talking about with Haley in mixing up the 15 play script and this play calling stuff, it has to be shorter routes. Um, you know, look, and if you just want to run somebody straight on nine and run some floods and that type of stuff, that's what you're going to need to do here. Um, it's A, number one, playing at a faster pace and shorter passing routes and quicker decisions is what Baker Mayfield likes. So, look, start to, you know, and we've said this a million times, for these coaches, everybody's on the hot seat, all three of them, these coordinators. So maybe it's start to time to coach up with you, what you got. And if you do do that, maybe you will have, you know, it's going to reflect better you know, on your resume for where you are most likely headed next because we're not sure any of them are going to be here. Um, the next two are pretty much correlated, So, and they're going to be, you know, uh, trade on, trade deadline. Uh, at Shane Mick, at the Kyle Costigan. Uh, Shane says, is Jeff wrong about the Browns wide receiver, and why is it an absolute, why is the answer yes? I don't know about that one. And Pete's prediction for uh, if anything happens before the trade deadline. So go ahead, Pete, let's address these. Uh <sighs> I'm, if I'm predicting anything, I'm hoping they sell off more. Uh, I'm hoping they've got more guys. Like, look, I, 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 Tyrod Taylor, it, it has been a disaster. Let's just it, – it has been bad. And he's not a bad guy. He seems like a great teammate and all that. But if you can get something for him – and I think if they had an offer for something, he'd already be gone – uh, there are guys like that. If Jamie, if somebody offered anything for Jamie Collins, I wouldn't be surprised if he was gone. Uh, they, they can sell up. What I don't see is adding. And it doesn't mean that there may not be some opportunity that I don't see that hasn't been talked about where it makes a ton of sense to do this. You're going to get a guy who's going to be uh, around for a little while uh, that's going to make sense. But the problem is this coaching staff will not be here. In whatever, something is going to change. Even if you've got some dream that some coordinator sticks, the, the, the coaching staff will be different. And you are, the idea that you're going to trade for guys that you don't know how are going to fit a new coach, you're giving up assets, doesn't make a ton of sense. What does make sense is what Dorsey did with Carlos Hyde, which is get more assets they, when this coach comes in, if you then want to trade for veterans uh, of some sort or you know young players that are close to becoming veterans, then all of a sudden you've got guys that, that, that are on the same page chasing victories on, a, on what is a lost season. I'm, I'm sorry. It is a lost season. They are not going to suddenly get go on a run and rip off seven games. If anything's going to happen – the defense is going. The bottom's going to fall out on this defense. Somebody else is going to get injured, and the Browns are going to go in the tank. That's the more likely scenario. Uh, I, I would love to be wrong and have them sit, so they rip off what five wins the way Houston Texans have, but I just don't see it with this coaching staff. Don't chase after assets that you're probably going to overpay for. And and the Raiders have gotten tremendous value out of their out of their players they've traded off. Khalil Mack. I think the Bears got the better of them on on that. I wish the Browns would have made that deal, but they got everything out of Amari Cooper. So if you're sitting there going, "Well, they're trading stuff, we can go get stuff super cheap," that has there's no evidence of that, and and that there's an there's a an inflation now that Amari Cooper went for a first. That there's going to be this sense by some people if you're trying to get a big ticket item that now you've got to get at least as much. As as that, if not more, if you're looking at a guy like Odell Beckham, where you're you're paying for the talent and the dead money and all this, that he's not gonna he's not available. But that's where we're at, or Patrick Peterson, or whoever. That all of a sudden they have to feel like they have to get more, and I think that actually may stall the market. Other than 
those smaller smaller deals like the Damon Harrisons, like those those little things. And and I I love this for foot, the NFL. I know there are people who hate this, saying it's bad for because the team's tanking or whatever, if that's what you want to call it. But the way I look at it is is the Giants were not interesting other than Saquon Barkley. The Lions are suddenly more interesting because they got Damon Harrison in a team that wasn't particularly interesting before. So I kind of like that trend. I'm hoping we see a little bit more of that where you've got those buyers and sellers and teams trying to load up and get a thing where if it's, you know, maybe it's Derek Carr goes to somewhere like Jacksonville. That's exciting. And that suddenly renews a lot of interest. And, and look, you, you don't care about the Raiders now. Don't pretend you do. But you may care a hell of a lot more about Jacksonville if Derek Carr's there as opposed to Blake Bortles. Yeah, and and the other thing though, and you know, look, if you wanted to tell me, you know, you could get Hassan Reddick from the Cardinals for a third round pick, yeah, my eyes are open because you look at him. He's a guy like Jannard Avery, and it makes for some fun. You know what you can do because these guys are both versatile. They can rush the passer, they can play some linebacker. But I think I think a lot of the guys, you know, a lot of you listeners, and you know, a lot of guys, what you tweet, I think you guys have fallacy about guys that aren't available. If Amari Cooper went for one first-round pick, Odell Beckham's worth two and a half first-round picks. And look, and and the Raiders, we've had our fun with them. Right now, the Raiders have three picks inside the top 20 in the NFL draft. A draft that has tackles. So if they if Colton Miller didn't work out, he can play right tackle. You, you can draft a left tackle. They can draft, you know, one, two guys on the defensive line. Or if they want to go wide receiver that route. It's given them a lot of versatility, and it's going to make for them to put a lot of young guys, like the Cleveland Browns have done, to when they walk in to Las Vegas, and it, and it gives it more sellable as opposed to if they went six and ten this year with what they have. Uh, next, uh, this question. I mean, we've kind of hit on this, and actually, he's been really, really good the last couple of weeks. Letter interaction, uh, Jason Gimble. Jason, we do agree that a short passing game should be the route to go, which is you know your point. We 100% agree with that. Whether or not we have the faith in this franchise, and look, and this is the thing we kind of talked about, you know, Sunday after the last game is, are these guys coaching for themselves and just doing what they feel is you know their way, or are they coaching what's best for these guys on the field? And if you're coaching for what's best on these guys on the field, yes, a short, quick passing game, like Pete said, ton of screens, things of that nature is what needs to be done. Whether or not they're going to do it, I don't know. Here's my question. How many times have have the Browns done something in their script that made a lot of sense that never was brought back? And I'll give you a couple examples. Last week, they went to that quick passing game, got a couple things rolling. Ultimately, the drive stalled, whatever. They never came back to it. And and the longer the game goes on, they, they they seem to fall in that trap of trying to get those you know those seven step drops and all that stuff. Uh, another example, when uh, however many games ago they they went to that Baker Mayfield Oklahoma style of the play action, get the ball to that pop pass if you want to call it that to Njoku right now, and then it works, it looks great, and then you never see it again the rest of the game, and then they fall into the bad habits. That's the stuff where I'm like, I, I see you guys acknowledge this in the script. You, you see see something you're trying to do, but then nothing, you never come back to it. You never, you never stick with it. it. You always fall back into those bad habits that haven't worked and, and, or, 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 or are far more of a struggle. And I know that that's not like, you know, unique to the Browns when it comes to play calling, that's a thing that happens, but the, that seems to be a trap they consistently fall into. I mean, I remember this from playing in college. 
because we were a we were it, it was weird. You know, there was the ten play script, there's the fifteen play script. Our offense coordinator, it was a twelve play script, and what it was, and it, it there was either a green highlight or there it was cross the heck off. The green highlight meant we're going back to this because a number one it worked. But A number two, there was also another way to do it. Like the pop pass you brought up in Njoku. Now we're going to run a deep skinny post off of it. So if that safety bites and says, oh, you're not going to get me this time, ball goes over his head. And this is the thing. I mean, you know, one play and you show a sign of it should lead to another. And that is what we're not seeing. We got two more listener questions here. Uh, again, Jason Gimbel. And this is, this is actually a pretty good one too. And this is where we're at. And look, you know, Pittsburgh is right now, it is the ultimate test for the Cleveland Browns. So Jason's question is, if this outcome Sunday in Pittsburgh looks similar to the Chargers game, is Hugh done? Um, I, I mean... Uh, it's hard for us because you should have never been here to begin with. Like, uh, like the part... Like, in, to me, Hugh is done. He it's is just a question of, of when... It's like, he's like but, a burnt steak on the grill. Are you just even going to bother with it at this point, or are you just going to leave it there? Yeah, I mean, if it, or, that's that's tough. I, I mean, I could totally see it happen that way that they want to get in the 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 you know whatever interim change they want to make before they get to. Well, it's it's uh, only going to be Todd. No, nobody in the NFL is ever going to say Greg Williams is the head coach of our team. That's never well, going to no, happen I, again. I actually think it's going to be Todd Kitchens. You think? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's technically the assistant head coach now. Uh, I, I think it allows them to keep as much sort of order, normalcy. Yeah, I, I, I like. I, I, I think they. I, I just think that uh, that the, the Greg and Todd are very polarizing. I don't think either looks good. I think Todd Kitchens, as as much as you're going to say, who the hell is Todd Kitchens? Most Browns fans. I think it's also very safe to sort of avoid choosing between those guys and all that stuff, and, and get, getting them not not putting either one of those guys in front of the media any more than they need to be. Yeah. Uh, but that's my prediction. But the the thing I, I I could see happening is let's say the the Browns get beat by you know four touchdowns or whatever. It's another game. I could see them making the move and saying, "We are not going to host the Chiefs and the Falcons and just have our f- fans boo the entire way." Hugh Jackson, like that, would not surprise me. I think it would be far more realistic to sort of hold out for uh, after the Falcons game because then you go to your bye week and then you're on the road two games before you you, you go back home. Uh, but yeah, this there's a real chance that this could be it if they, if they, you know, and, and it's got it can't just be losing close. I, I, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Now I, I think Hugh Jackson is super culpable in almost every loss that has been close. But you know, if you're if you're saying that they're scratching and clawing and fighting, it's hard for me to then say, well, fire him now out of vitriol. Now if they, if they get blown out against Pittsburgh on the road and all that stuff, then, then yeah, I, I could see it happen. For me, it's it's kind of the, do you want, you know, like Hugh Jackson's name and Miles Garrett's name and Baker Mayfield's name starting to be jumbled together in the same sentences or when teams, or when writers write about this team jumbled into the same paragraph. So that's where I could see it. And guys, look, it is hard for me and Pete because he shouldn't be here. 
So he is, and, and that's kind of where we're at on it. And if, if they want to just go ahead and say, look, and you know, admit now when it would be, you know, two, six, I'm sorry, two, five, and one, that look, we understand the season is over and we're just going to do the best we can to get these kids all the experience and get every little stupid young player flaw that's going to happen out of the way so we can be ready to compete in 19, which is the ultimate goal. And it is competing for the AFC North. It is competing for a playoffs. That is where you're headed for 19. That is where this is trending. And I'm confident in saying it, and I'm good with it because I like where this product is at. Like Pete said, Pete said four or five wins. I was thinking more of a six and ten. When you, but when you're coming from one and thirty-one, that is a huge, huge effort. And now this is one last question we have. And Pete, I'm going to assume you know the guy um, at Thomas underscore and it's T I D T T T T was the 2016 class um, at Revere High one of Pete's absolute favorites? Uh Sure. I mean, it's tied with all the other ones. Um, <laughs> good move. I mean, Always I, I, good coach answer. I mean, I, I, I mean, that class was fun for for a few reasons. But I coached offensive coordinator for JV and uh, with those guys, and that was we had easily one of my most memorable f- football games with them. Uh, we were like seven and two, and that was the year Nordonia. Uh, had their big team with Denzel Ward and all those guys going to the state championship. Their JV Who did team not score on Pete. That's true. That's true. Could not. Could not be uh, Zach Lukowski. Um <laughs> But their 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 JV team was undefeated as well, and uh, we managed to to pull off. And, and we weren't like overly talented. We had a couple. We had one really nice tailback and a, a couple other. It was basically just a gritty, gutty, hardworking. Guys that just showed, showed up and, and did their thing, and we ultimately were able to win that game in pretty convincing fashion uh, at the end. And all those kids were super hyped up to beat that team and everything that meant. So that was certainly one of my most memorable games. And Tom, Tom, Thomas Teat uh, was certainly part of that. So I mean, I, I'll say this about that group: they're, they're one of the best in terms of keeping uh, in touch with me uh which is certainly nice and I'm, I'm glad he's doing well and all that stuff but yeah i mean i'm not picking between you know picking between my kids unless unless i we, you know we win state championship then whatever group that is will clearly win but uh yeah it was i mean certainly a fun group to coach it with with jv and all the stuff that anyone who's done that sort of knows how that sort of goes and you know, it's 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 sort of a different world, and and you just sort of do your own thing and, and have fun with it, and and that year was a lot of fun. Nice, nice. Um, Pete, uh, I'll ask you. I mean, look, uh, you know, my game prediction. I I think they can keep it close. I don't think I see them beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Um, we kind of laid out what would need to be done with that, and I still want to see the week where they go out in the first quarter and it's seven nothing or ten nothing, or they just go out and put everything together. For the first 15 minutes, it seems like they're kind of getting really good now. At the last 30 minutes, you know, they'll play strong there, or you know, maybe give up a late score, which leads to these four overtimes in seven games. Gun to your head here. What do you think? If I'm not mistaken, the Browns have eight points in the first quarter all year. Uh, not, I, yeah. Oh yeah, well, so, safety last week. Yeah. Um. So. I, I don't feel good about this one. I, I I don't feel good about this team on the road. I'm hoping to see 
uh, Baker Mayfield and, and, and those guys take advantage of, the, of, of a bad secondary. I'm hoping that they can come out and sort of, you know, it, it, you know, Pittsburgh's going to do what they do offensively, and hopefully LeBron's can make some stops in that the way they did. But I expect, if anything, if, if the Browns are going to be in this and, and super competitive with this, I think it's going to be more of a shootout than anything. And if, if they can do that, and keep that competitive that way. That that would be great. And then hopefully you get you know a clutch play by defense. The, def, uh, the defense like Denzel Ward makes a pick or whatever, sack fumble. I mean they they you know Miles Garrett almost single handedly won that game. Put them back in position to win that game the last time around. So you know I I, I think people somewhat forget how miraculous it was that the Browns were even in a position to be tied with that because that game was over. Uh, until he got it back in, so I, I don't feel good about this, but I'm hoping that uh, that that with these new guys, with the amount of uh, players they've added, uh, by virtue of just getting other guys out of the way, that that we're going to see a much better, uh, more logical offense that uh, that that can get the job done. Yeah, and that's where we're at. So, guys, here here this was the pregame tailgate edition. Guys, read Pete's work over at NFL Spin Zone. Follow Pete Smith. Uh, follow the show on Twitter, Locked on Brown, at Locked on Browns Twitter account. Uh, we always keep that follow back. Uh, you know, follow me at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, I do want to thank everybody again. Um, we're not going to talk about this anymore. I've moved on, but it, it, it's been a tough week. And the appreciation I have for everybody reaching out, it, it, it's been tremendous and it's been helpful. And But we're moving on here now. And it's now it's just the healing process. And but I just want to thank you all again so much, guys. iTunes ratings and reviews huge. Please get on that. Uh, so we'll be back to uh, you know obviously right after a kickoff like we always are. I'm sorry, right after the uh, last gun as we always are for your post game edition. Until we talk tomorrow, guys. Let's go Browns. LGB on the LOB.